Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sex, drugs, and witches. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. victim's stepmother is sharing her feelings about the possibility that two killers might be given early parole. The Carlsbad woman doesn't want Michael or Susan Carson to ever be released from prison. Even the killer's own daughter wants him to stay locked up. She still fears her father more than 30 years after the murders of three people, at least here in California. I'm here today to tell you the story of a couple, and I think couples are very interesting to me in a lot of ways. And we haven't really covered a lot of that, like two killers. We've covered a lot of people working solo. We've covered a lot of groups, kind of mass initiatives. But I really find like a couple duo very compelling. So today we're going to talk about Susan and James or Michael Bayer Carson, the serial killer couple behind the witch killer cult of San Francisco. You're not into that, right? <laughs> I mean, witch killer cult plus San Francisco? Yeah. If it was witch killer cult plus Fontana, California, not as interesting. <laughs> no. But you know San Francisco, it's going to be... Could it be anywhere else but San Francisco? San Francisco, LA, like a real funky San Diego. <laughs> Is there a funky San Diego? There's a funky San Diego. If you're from funky San Diego, please write in. We need to know about you and your life. But this is really about, and I'm, I am new to this term, the folie à deux. It's a rare delusional disorder shared by two, sometimes more people with unusually close emotional ties. The delusions are usually induced in the passive partner, in this case, Michael, by the active partner, Susan. But let me start from the beginning. Susan Barnes was a normal suburban housewife living a normal suburban housewife existence in 1960s Scottsdale, Arizona. Normcore capital of the world, although now Arizona, great, we appreciate you. Her husband made good money. She had two sons, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it was the 60s into the 70s, and she became curious about hippie culture kind of as a general idea. She began, and she was still, again, married in Scottsdale with two kids, taking LSD, mescaline, and peyote, along with hanging out with her son's high school classmates, which is totally normal and very, very healthy. She also regularly seduced and slept with her son's classmates. Rumor has it she slept with 150 young men and boys. And again, by slept with, I mean probably assaulted, because they were teenagers and high school students. Very... Very disturbing, 
not good. When she turned 35, she began to have visions when she was on drugs and also when she was off drugs. Since she was a child, she believed that she was a psychic and she kind of embraced this idea of her being this clairvoyant or someone like an oracle in a way. So all of this is happening. Her marriage, to no surprise to anybody, fell apart in the late 70s. Infidelity, drug use, psychosis, whatever. It could be many different things. So she decided to completely reinvent herself. How did she do this? Well, her name is Susan, S-U-S-A-N. She started spelling her name with a Z instead of an S. Wild. Not the first S, the second S. I did that at my midlife crisis. <laughs> I was Jason. <laughs> It's been That's working cool for me. As hell. It's That's been cool working as hell. for me. I, like yeah. that. I thought you were going to add a Y, but you just went Z. That's great. Nothing like reinventing yourself. You're like, I'm going to change my life. How about I just respell my name in a stupid way? I love that. That is change. So then she had this vision one day that told her that she needed to find a soulmate. And this is a quote, a soulmate, a partner, a loyal disciple. Great. Bumble bio. So she met somebody named James Carson. He was originally from Oklahoma. He was also kind of similar. He had a similar background to Susan. He was kind of into nonconformity, but was very conformist as it appeared. He was middle class. He loved history, religions, philosophy. He earned a degree from the University of Iowa where he met his first wife. After graduation, he had a daughter that they named Jennifer and he moved to Arizona. His wife supported him, and he was a stay-at-home dad to his child and also started dealing pot. So again, like pretty nonconformist in some ways, but very, very normal in other ways. His daughter, too, in every interview that I have read about her, really talks about him being a pretty like conscientious father, very loving. Anything bad was kind of because of Susan eventually and not really because of anyone he was or is, which again, where you think the fault line falls we'll talk about later carson became increasingly antisocial and angry because of his angry outbursts and his inability or maybe unwillingness to get a job he got divorced in 1977 so they have pretty parallel kind of lives they meet they converge at a party and the first thing susan says to james when they meet is that his name is michael and he says no my name is james to which she responds no, you are Michael, an angel of God. From then on, he just went by Michael. James' daughter, Jen, again, really backs her, her dad in, in most ways, says that when the pair met, quote, it was almost like two magnets just shooting across the room and joining. I think they had great sexual attraction, which is a weird thing for a, a daughter to say, but I think it really shows kind of what we're working with here. It didn't take long for the new couple to really lean into a life of sex and hallucinogenic drug taking. They married or had some kind of ceremony by moonlight at Stonehenge and toured Europe for a year. Susan, with her drugs and visions, kind of developed her own religion during all of this. Kind of. I mean, very much so. It's It was a fringe, radical... I, it, I even hesitate to say it's an interpretation of Islam because she just used the word Islam and Allah. It really bears no... I, I don't want anyone to think it even looks like a Muslim culture or the Islamic religion. Cause it's not, it just has these like strange labels that she co-opted from Islam. So they returned to the U S in 1980 because they ran out of money and they began going by the surname bear and describing themselves as vegetarian Muslim warriors. Great. Here we are. So that was a 
thing, but they're big. The big tenet of their belief system that vegetarian Muslim warrior doesn't really touch upon was their obsession with witches and witches surrounding them. They thought that witches were all around them in the people they meet, people in power, just everywhere, and that they were using mental powers to control or trying to control them and other people. And they believed that they were put on this earth to kill these witches. And by they, I mean mostly Susan. Let's be real. Michael was kind of along for the ride in in a disturbing way. Later, Jen would say of her father, if he had fallen in love with a televangelist, he would have become one. If she had joined ISIS, he would have too. He was that much of a follower. He was drawn to extremists, people he found really exciting. And that's also strange, too, because like extremists and exciting are not like there. It's not an A to B thing. There's a lot of stops on that path of like, oh, you know know what I find exciting? Uh, A horror movie. This guy finds maybe joining ISIS exciting. And I'm sure if it was something like, oh, she's like, I really love the Peace Corps. Yeah. That wasn't the kind of excitement and interest that probably appealed to him. It was probably Mm -hmm. stuff on the sexier, darker side. Totally. Yeah. And I think there's levels of that to many relationships where it's like, oh, she's really into hiking and he's going hiking with her. But to this level... It gets very dark very fast. So when they come back from Europe, they move to San Francisco into the apartment of Karen, K-E-R-Y-N, Barnes, a 23-year-old transplant from Georgia who moved to California to find fame, not to Los Angeles, to up to San Francisco. So they met her at a party. And from the source that I found this, most people at the party were repulsed by the couple's odd, pretty hostile demeanor. I don't know who invited them, but Karen was very spiritual, open. She was a new transplant from Georgia and she kind of dug it. She was like, I'm here to meet people. I'm at this party. Like I'm open-minded, spiritual, whatever that meant to her at the time. So then they moved in with her, which is what happens at parties all the time. You just go and move in with a 23 year old. So, you know, there are these older people at this point, this couple moving in with this young woman and immediately things go bad. Michael and Susan want more from Karen than just cohabitation. They want her to be Michael's second wife and to enter into a polyamorous relationship with them, which also, you know, for hate Ashbury at the time, not too out of the scope of things. I mean, Karen did allow them to move in. She didn't like the idea, though. Karen didn't want to be Michael's second wife. And when she hesitated or kind of balked at the idea, Susan conveniently had a vision that Karen was a witch. So Susan and Michael plotted to kill Karen. Simple, right? We'll tell you more after the break. Though we love what we do, Jason and I don't just Google true crime and weird history all day. Sometimes we need a freaking break. That's when I close my computer and pick up my phone for a little Best Fiends. Have you heard of it? You should because it's gotten over 100 million global downloads. We're huge fans of it and you should be too. Best Fiends challenges your brain with fun puzzle levels, but it's not like this huge thing. It's casual. You can play one level or 17, whatever time allows for. There are enough stresses in our life right now. Don't let a game stress you out. Best Fiends is also a game anyone can play. Literally, it is for adults, but honestly, anyone can and enjoy themselves. Let me break it down. Best Fiends is an awesome mobile puzzle game and honestly different from anything I've ever played. It engages my brain, it's fun, and is whatever type of commitment you want. It's solo maintenance, you don't even need the internet. The internet! Speaking of internet, I was playing Best Fiends just to chill one day, I'm close to level 200, and my power went out, and honestly, I did not even notice. I played and, like, relaxed, and I was off the grid, and it was so fantastic. 
I only noticed I had no power or internet when it came back on and I had to get back to whatever I was doing at the time. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, hello, how are you? Hello. What a week. What a week. What how are you feeling? Week? Just checking in, no judgment. Mm-hmm. A little judgment. <laughs> Depends. But no, no judgment. Just hope you're well and, mm-hmm. and, and you're keeping it together. And we are trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Last week's episode. Oh my goodness. Um, the Nate email episode. Oh my goodness. A lot of people reached out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Fascinating. I don't want to really get into what people necessarily had to say. Some people were just curious and, you know, some people were kind of concerned for us Mm -hmm. and for that we're very, very thankful. I'm concerned for me too, all the time. And, you know, after us doing it and then me going, listening to all the audio and reading Mm -hmm. through the stuff, I definitely got into a different place and I Mm -hmm. opted to only put out a little bit of the audio just to give you a, a vibe of what is happening because mm-hmm. it's it's pretty rough yeah and i wanted to kind of you know still put the message out there but not make it too exploitive yeah which inherently it is i'm not gonna lie it's exploitive uh yes but it's also this woman wanted this stuff exactly so it's, so you it's know. delicate and again who she is and, and her mental space is for questions you know yes. obviously yeah so just kind of wanted to address that for people. And, and I – people were asking for some of the stuff. And then I was listening to it again and I was like, I don't want to be the one. I'm sorry. Like if you ask for it. You didn't give them the stuff? I didn't give them the stuff. If you want to, you can. Yeah. Not, I guess come to me. I mean, I again, I'm just like, I don't like, – what are people doing with this stuff? I think they're they're just curious. They're, and I, Maybe I'm naive. And they, I would do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just after listening to it, it's very disturbing. Mm-hmm. And it's also very repetitive. Mm-hmm. And somebody else had reached out to somebody we referenced yes. on the thing. And, you know, I'm just not naming names, not for any reason. But no, just, just, it also just, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who, yeah. did, who did what and... Mm-hmm. You know, and apparently this person was like the person in question is mm-hmm. volatile and made his life very difficult. Yeah, made his and, uh, older people in in his yeah. life very difficult. And and after hearing that, and I think I 
naively assume that like oh maybe this is the you know you're a cohort and mm-hmm. and not a cohort. well that's what he's framed as yes but fairly but you know he he dispels that very very quickly he's very concerned for her he's very concerned for himself the people around him and it's it's pretty dark yeah i would and, say and i will say you know what we kind of laid out is a lot of the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the audio and text are extremely repetitive versions of mm-hmm. that. I'll tell you that. And, you know, so you're really not, you're not missing out on it except hearing the ramblings of somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, we don't know what the situation is. I actually was looking to see if like, because there might've been some word that maybe she was living in a possible, possibly a shelter on the street. And mm-hmm. I was looking just to see if it was somebody who's kind of like, Hey, I have a Venmo. Mm-hmm. I have a whatever. Cause I felt that I was like, I feel like I owe you some yeah. money. Well, that's uh, nice. You didn't say I, that before. I, well, when I sent you yeah. Instagram, cause there was some new post on there. Yeah. There's, there's a new post. Some right. new post on there and I didn't see it. I mean, everything seemed to be kind of copacetic, I suppose. Yeah. So that's – I just wanted to address that because a lot of people reached out. And thank you for reaching out. Thank you for being concerned. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being interested. And this is not a, any way like a, a comment on the people that asked. No. It's I, my – I would, I would also yeah. – but I also if – you, if you reach out to me, I'll send you this. I, I have a different – I think I have a different yeah, I, relationship with sure. – again, if you're sending stuff out to major media sure, outlets, yeah. I'm like, all right. But, but that – bearing in mind, please, with – there's a carefulness around this yeah. because of this woman's state. So I'll say, I'll warn you that it mm-hmm. is very disturbing and it's not just weird disturbing. It's disturbing, disturbing. Mm-hmm. Ask Rebecca and put it on her. <laughs> put it on me. I don't particularly want to do it. Contact uh-huh. Rebecca's Instagram. What is it? Rebecca Lieb? <laughs> yeah. Rebecca Lieb? Okay, Rebecca You know Lieb. my name. But yeah, but I also, I, I yeah, people really took it upon themselves in my experience. I'm a little narc. You know what I mean? Like I'm a little, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not okay. cool. I'm not the cool one. That's in this okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm half asleep most of the time. So yeah. I don't know if that's cool or not, but. Rebecca, maybe she'll send you a couple of cigarettes too. I don't know what Whoa, else. Oh, <laughs> clove cigarettes. But yeah, I think it was really interesting. I, I also, I think I texted you this after where I, I felt really weird after we, we recorded that. Well, after I edited it, and I was just, oh my God. It was just you're in sitting my with ears. that information. I'm just oh sitting there boy. with that, and it really, I, I was just very careful what I edited, and, mm-hmm. and I just did not feel, I didn't feel bad about it because I wouldn't have gone into it because, like you said, it was the way it would kind of befell us. Yeah. I don't know if that's a word, but made it, I was just like, this fate stepped in, yeah. you know, and, and I, I definitely don't mind that, but past that, I, I don't, I don't particularly want, mm-hmm any more to do with it except unless this you know person happens to need a helping hand or something like yeah. that. That's what I looked for. And I, I probably will look again. There's a, I have a list of people that I'm checking yeah. in on. Uh, that's <laughs> in good. Our, that's in good. Our, in I our just, lives. I, yeah, I, God. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's dangerous to reach out to this person firstly, but if, if they had some kind of way to anonymously give them money, Absolutely. I would totally do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope, they they do I guess I mean it's again it's it's a lot you don't know what you're getting into I also want to emphasize that especially with people with mental illness and people who are you know in places that you don't know I think that can be very dangerous did you know we had a Patreon did I <laughs> yes <laughs> where am I what's my name that's 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 my segue is <laughs> I figure what's the what's the most comforting thing to do is to segue to patreon.com slash ghost town pod mm-hmm. But a bonus episode, a new Ghost Town versus episode oh, is up for the yeah. Alderman level and up. That's right. We had some real thoughts on that. We had some real thoughts. Real thoughts. Up on the Patreon mm-hmm. right now. And then 
I put out episodes with no ads. Ad-free, baby. At least try to buy the night before, so this way you mm-hmm. have it as an option so you don't have to listen to any ads or any yeah. ramblings. Have you guys heard about the government? Our government? Our government. Keep your other government out yeah. of your earwaves. Right yes. now, we're talking about the ghost tongue government. We're talking about Jeanette Link. Hell yeah. Brandon Gaddis. Oh, baby. Ben Forsyth. Yes. Ashley Matson. Mm-hmm. Governor Chris Witt. In That's my the, applause. In, in, and if you put all of them together, it's the shape of a pentagram. What? Don't read into Holy it. Holy <laughs> shit. Check that out. Oh, that's so great. Check out youtube.com slash Jason Horton for mm-hmm. some videos that we did. Give it a subscribe. Give some of the videos a thumbs up. We're using that to help promote Ghost Town passively. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, how do I help these people out? You're listening. Thank you. And yeah. if you're a patron, thank you. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it in a very... Freeway, go to you can find it in the show notes. Click the link and subscribe, hit, like it, listen to an episode, yeah. let it play through. Let it it play all through. helps. Yes, it definitely does. I'm not sure how, but I think it does. Rebecca, it's the <laughs> algorithm. The algorithm. Respect the the algor- dark web. Yeah, use, new media. Do you know new uh, media? Wi Fi. <laughs> yes. Is it Wi Fi? Do I yes. need a card that I pay a prepaid calling card for this Wi Fi? Yes. You're talking about. I'm going to take us back to a time that I'm more familiar with than the now. Let's go back to the 80s, please, where there is no Wi-Fi. When, on March 6th, Karen, K-E-R-Y-N, gets home from work, Susan tells Michael in a different room to kill her. So Michael followed their roommate into the kitchen where he beat her in the head with a cast iron frying pan and then stabbed her 13 times around the face and neck to finish the job. Michael and Susan wrapped Karen's body in a blanket, placed her head on a pillow, and did a series of bizarre childlike drawings all over the walls before leaving. Very sad. Very brutal. Police found Karen's body on March 7th, 1981, in her apartment with the skull bashed in, again stabbed, blood everywhere. Things on the wall that they drew included Susan's name many times, so they kind of knew that it was, you know, she's just essentially just signing her name on the wall. It wasn't to throw people off the scent. No, it was the opposite, I would say, to, to highlight who did this. One of Karen's friends rushed to the scene of the crime as word got around and informed the police about Michael and Susan and their belief system and kind of their relationship to Karen. It wasn't until police questioned Karen's mother two days later that they got a full name, Susan Carson and her husband, Michael. But unfortunately, Susan and Michael Carson weren't the couple's real names. So police had trouble tracking them down. Police began to search for the couple, but after a year, the trail went cold. In actuality, the Carsons hitchhiked north and found a secluded cabin to live in, which they believed was a refuge provided to them by Allah that they called Allah's Mountain. Eventually, they got bored or maybe kicked out by a park ranger. Who's to say? Then someone let them live in their treehouse, but their, again, their strange behavior, their combativeness, their bad attitudes got them kicked out of there. Susan, however, was not going to take that at all. She was not going to be kicked out of a treehouse, my friends. The owner of the treehouse, again, labeled a witch. So they robbed his house, took his handgun and some other possessions, and then set his house on fire. From there, they headed to Humboldt County, where they started working on a marijuana farm. But of course, the couple started not making friends here. They butted heads with a friend of the farm owner, 26-year-old Clark Stevens. He was loud and he drank a lot, and the Carson saw this as an affront to Allah. Again, coming from people who did a lot of drugs, 
okay, I guess. It seems like what they did with witches back mm-hmm. in the day, it's like, oh, you did something off-putting? Yeah. You must be a witch. Exactly. Very, And again, it kind of mirrors a lot of- A communist, the, you're a communist. For sure, for sure. And even, you know, the Salem witch hunts. It's just like, if something doesn't align with your belief system, you're an enemy of mine. I can do whatever I want to rid you from my life. Susan tried to block Clark from entering the farm one day, so Clark kind of- cussed her out. They had an altercation. And Susan, of course, declared Clark a witch and told Michael to kill him. Michael shot Clark in the face. Then they both poured kerosene over his body, set it on fire, and covered it with chicken litter. That's murder number two. Gruesome, violent, horrific. From nothing. The Carsons headed back even more north to hide out in the wilderness, going into civilization by day for food and supplies. To get to town, the pair would hitchhike. Two years after the murder of Karen Barnes in January 1983, they caught a ride with a man named John Hillier in his pickup truck. Susan rode in the middle, and while driving, John's leg touched Susan's leg. Susan felt threatened. I think you know how this is going to go. But more importantly, she had a premonition about him. When? In the car? Before he picked her up? Who knows? He was a witch, my friends, so Michael was supposed to kill him. John, though, was pretty athletic. He fought back, and the two, Michael and John, wrestled for the gun that Michael got from when he burned down the treehouse, and it was out in the open when all of this happened. Like, they had pulled over people. It was by an overpass. People were looking at them. Police received a 911 call from a roadside fruit stand in Santa Rosa from someone who was witnessing it. According to the witness, Michael got hold of the gun and shot John. 30-year-old John Hillier later died in the hospital. Michael and Susan attempted to drive off in the truck, but police caught up and a high-speed chase ended with the truck spinning out of control and landing in a ditch. The couple was taken in for questioning, but instead of talking about what led them to shoot John, who was at that point not dead yet, he was still in the hospital. They only want to talk about ESP, witches, and their religion. Michael also wrote a letter saying that no one cared that he and Susan had killed the biggest witch in San Francisco. The police were like, what? And then eventually they linked that confession letter, again, confession letter used very loosely, with the murder of Karen Barnes. When police tried to get an on-the-record confession from the Carsons, they said they would only do it with a press conference. So on March 10th, they had their press conference, during which they talked about George Orwell's 1984, President Reagan being the devil, and why witches needed to be killed. At least they're consistent, though. (laughs) Michael said that Susan had the power to identify witches via visions that she got directly from Allah, which is how they realized they had to kill Karen. So while Susan went around identifying witches, Michael would do the job of killing them. They also admitted to killing Clark. And after six hours of ranting at this press conference, were charged with multiple crimes, including three counts of first degree murder. I find it interesting that people let them talk for six hours at this press conference Their trial began in May 1984. Despite confessing to everything in the press conference, both Susan and Michael entered not guilty pleas. But after three days of trial, which Michael's daughter described as a zoo, they were both found guilty and given 25 to life. And they were actually up for parole in 2015. Michael just declined parole, and Susan was denied because she was still unrepentant for the murders. Their earliest official release date won't be until 2059. Authorities think two that they might be responsible for nearly a dozen other murders in Europe and the United States, but they don't have enough evidence to charge them for it. It does seem like it it wasn't necessarily a ruse Mm -hmm. to get her husband to kill people. I mean, it seemed like they believed that they 
believe that they were witch killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think, again, it's a lot of different things that, that people allowed to happen. And I think it doesn't seem like they're protecting themselves that much. The thing that really kept them going for so many years was not having their legal names, moving around from different places, and general like inability for people to properly track them down at all. I'd be interesting to see the people that were clearly not witches. Mm-hmm. Was there anyone that they came across with for any reasonable amount of time that was not a witch? Yeah. Because I wonder what the the trigger was. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. any kind of pushback, but like, and how much worse would it have gotten if they weren't, you know, in a high speed chase and mm-hmm. you know, went into a ditch? I mean, yeah. People, what, would it be more than just brush? When it becomes like brushing the leg, mm-hmm. it's like okay, now we're we're going a lot further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it just escalates. Like like many serial killers, activity just seems to escalate. It's just also they were still like I keep thinking about them being invited to parties and stuff. Like they were still a part of society for a lot of the time that they were actively a threat to people. I'm sure the circles they ran in were probably mm-hmm. a little more open to that kind yeah. of community thing. And, you know, the, the Zodiac killer was totally. you know, in play in the late seventies. And then, the, you know, you have things like satanic panic and, and mm-hmm. a lot of witchcraft, other world, new age yeah. was very popular. So the timeline seems to kind of fit with a lot of those other yeah. things. And it's really kind of a slight turn from, New Age spirituality and the occult to violence. Like it's, it, I think it's much. And again, I don't. I think to say that, of course, like being believing a certain thing means you're violent. No, obviously not. But I think, you know, the idea of the occult and spirituality and drugs and expanding your mind, like that's really not that far from expanding your mind to the point where you think that there are witches and maybe you need to avenge them. They are still in jail, as we. You seem to be hung up. That they got invited to so many parties and you're like, why is anyone what inviting me? me? Yeah. Well, I, I won't kill you if you're a witch. I'll be fun. I'll bring a mix. <laughs> like a like a music mix? I'll bring a checks mix, mix and a music mix. Oh, great. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.